Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. Good morning, everybody. Um, this, this is not planned, but I had a prompting in worship that I, I sat on a little too long, so it's not just you that does this every now and then, I do it. Um, so I want to do something uh, uh, I just felt like the, the Lord was moving me to do, and um, the Lord reminded me in, in worship that we are to be a blessing. Do we agree on that? We are to be a blessing. And certainly part of that is that wherever we go, we bring the light, the love with, uh, of Jesus Christ with our demeanor. You know, we are a blessing to our environment. But, but I think it also means that we at times take up the authority we have in Christ, um, the rights that we have as children of God, as, as shepherds, and we just intentionally bless people. So I want to do that for just a minute, just invite you prayerfully to receive this, okay? So Father, right now in Jesus' name… I do take the authority that you have given me in Christ as an under-shepherd of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I bless your body right now. Um, I speak blessing over us as a corporation, as a congregation, and Lord, as individuals. And Lord, right now, there, there are those in the body that need blessing physically. Lord, they need blessing when it comes to uh, job. So often we're quick to look past the emotional. Right now, I just speak blessing to the emotional void, to, dispre- uh, to, to despair, to distress in the name of Jesus Christ. We speak blessing over your people in the name of Jesus Christ. And for you who are hearing this, here's the great thing. You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive. It is God's to, to make that come to life. So just receive that in Jesus' name. We thank you. We love you. We honor you, Lord. Amen. All right. Well, good to see you. Um, some of you, good to see you again. Uh, I know many of you came out to the talent show last night, and uh, we just had 13 amazing talents. And then we had whatever ended the show with, and Mark and I would just like to apologize for that um, profusely. <laughs> but it, it was just a fun night, and, and my kids were reflecting on on the way home, and, and Jane and I were talking. We were just saying, you know, it's so good for the body of Christ just to come together, to be together to laugh and just to share a little bit of life, to get glimpses into who people are and how God has wired people. So I, I just thought I had, I was so blessed by, uh, by that time together last night, um, surprisingly so in many ways. Um, okay, having said that, uh, welcome back to This Is Us Part Two. And if you were here last week, um, what Paul did was he, 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 he uh, at the beginning of Romans chapter 5, he began to talk to us about life with God and relationship with God and, and really helped us to see that there is blessing and great benefit to belonging to God. I mean, so often as, as Christians, um, you know, I, I think we miss how great we have it. Um, we we, we kind of get familiar, used to, you know, life in the church, and, and we sort of look past these incredible things that God has done, whether it's the labels He has put across us as children of God, whether it's the work that He's doing. And, and uh, we, we said last week that in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, He gives us six we statements, okay? And these are things that we have or we are. These are privileges, rights, incredible benefits of belonging to Him. And they're, they're kind of like boxcars that when you put them together, they just make up the train of life with God. 
And so we looked at it three last week in just verses one and two. And the first one is that every one of us now who have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, we now have peace with God. You know, everything that was wrong before, everything that made us empty, you know, all the loose wiring before Jesus, and, and we're talking about the sin, you know, the, the sin we were born into, the sin we commit, um, you know, it, it's all been washed away. Our past sins are gone. We now really have peace with God. Uh, the second one is that we are presently standing in God's grace. You know, I don't know if you ever feel wet from time to time, but you should as a child of God because we are literally swimming in the acceptance and the favor of God all day long every day. You know, you may say, well, you know, I'm not good enough for that. Look, that, that's just how big Jesus is. That's the difference he makes. He, he's brought us before the king, and we, are in, we have unending favor from God every day. And then third, we, we also have this hope of God's coming glory that there is a day when Jesus Christ will return to this earth and all of creation will be liberated from the shackles of sin. And we will be like Jesus Christ in that day, though the Word of God tells us. So we just got, you know, halfway through the train last week and, you know, we were going out of here just skipping and dancing, some of us. So today what we're going to do is we're going we're gonna to go further um, we're we're going to go from 2 into now verses 3 through 11, and we're going to look at the, the next three boxcars, okay? So these are the next three we statements, and by we, I mean thee, okay? Thee and thee, ye, ye, all of us, okay? So here we go. I'll read this to you. Paul says, we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified, and again, that word means declared free, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more, sh how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were still God's enemies, we were reconciled to him, through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have now received reconciliation. All right, three big we statements in there, okay? You ready for the first one? Good, because it jumps out at us right away. We statement number four in verses three through eight is that we now, because of Jesus Christ, we now rejoice in our sufferings. I did not think I would get an amen on that one, and I was right, okay? So, look, look, just to be clear, here, here's what Paul's doing. Paul is not saying that um, we are happy when hardship comes into our life. 
Okay, he's not saying that as Christians we're like, you know, we get some kind of sadistic pleasure from pain and hardship and trouble and hassles. He, he also is not saying here that we rejoice in any way for our sufferings, but Paul says we rejoiced in the midst of our sufferings. Okay, now, already we have one great big difference between us and the world, okay? Because for the world, suffering is just suffering, okay? Suffering for the world has no higher purpose at all. It just comes, it uh, wipes it, you know, it, it, it lasts as long as it lasts. Very rarely is there any redemption in suffering for, for those outside of Jesus Christ. But for the Christian, God uses suffering to bring something new into our lives, God uses suffering to bring something good into our lives. Here's another thing I've discovered very practically. God also uses suffering to get some stuff out of Steve Keller that doesn't need to be in Steve Keller. So for us, suffering has a reason. Now, this is especially true. We see this all over the New Testament. This is especially true when it is connected to the kingdom. Okay? When you or I are on mission for God, right? We are living deliberately, purposely for Christ in our world. We are sharing Jesus Christ with the lost, and suffering comes our way. And by suffering, you know, Jesus talks about this, Paul talks about this, but, but ridicule, persecution, um, you know, you know uh, uh, even attack. Paul tells us, Jesus tells us, we can rejoice in these sufferings, and we get to see the glory of God manifest on the other side of those sufferings. I mean, how many of you have ever been in that situation where, oh, you take that step out there for Jesus, and man, you just feel like, oh my gosh, you know, I have just stepped into the crossfire, and you hang on, you stick with it, you serve the Lord, you proclaim His name, and there is another side to that suffering. I mean, you see people come to Jesus Christ. You know, you, you see God move. Well, this is true when it comes to kingdom sufferings, but it, it also extends to other kinds of sufferings in our lives. It's not just re re restricted to when we are on mission for God, but, you know, it, this also plays into the other sufferings in our lives as well. You know, the, the, the daily hassles, the heartaches that we have, you know, the, the financial, you know, you feel like you hit a brick wall. For the Christian, those don't have to end up in emotional wastelands for you and I. Never, because God is involved. And, 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 and that it does bring up that question, you know. How is it possible for us not to fall apart when we suffer, when we struggle? Well, the big answer is that God is involved. Because we have a God who is sovereign. He is Lord of all. You know, some people think that, well, you know, God is, God is Lord of the church and the lives of… Listen, God is Lord of every situation, every circumstance, everything that comes your way. He is in control. Amen. You know, this is one of the greatest faith moments for me. It happened last year when, when I realized, the Holy Spirit showed this to me. Actually, someone spoke it, and it just hit me. But, but I realized there is nothing that comes my way that God is not a part of if I let him be a part of it. You know, the, there's never a time, you know, that the enemy just knocks me down and takes me out, and here I am, this, you know, massive jello melted on the floor. I got wiped. Absolutely not as a child of God. That, that is not true. You know, Philippians 1.6 says this. I love this. 
He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That is phrased in in command language, in promise language. It's not, well, you know, God's going to start this good work, but you know, oh boy, the devil can come in and really mess this up. You know, you might be taken out along the way. No, God will complete it. God is faithful. God is bigger than anything that comes our way. So, God is always up to something awesome in us and through us if we will not land in the middle of suffering and, you know, accept it as reality and fixate on it and, and lose heart and misinterpret our, you know, our, our circumstances and get all caught up in it. Instead, we are in every circumstance, and I'll talk about this more at the end, we are to look to God and dare to believe that God is doing a new thing all the time in us, okay? I know, that was old school. That was old school. Some of the kids in the room were going, what is that brother talking about? But, but he is. So instead, Paul is saying, look, instead of, you know, suffering resulting in bitterness, frustration, and disappointment, there is something else going on in us through every one of these circumstances, verses 3 through 5. God uses suffering in the lives of, of, of His children to produce a little thing called perseverance. Now, what is perseverance? Perseverance is the ability to stand tall in every circumstance, to be able to endure, to make it to the other side. Suffering for the Christian is meant to strengthen us like this. But that's not the end of it. You know, perseverance, says Paul, also creates in us character. God uses suffering to create a greater character in us, and that's depth, you know, that's soundness, that's maturity. And then character is meant to form hope. Now, you might say, wait a minute, hold up, we already got hope last week, Paul, in the first two verses. Well, this time, he's not talking about a hope that Christ is coming at a future date. This time, Paul means hope in the present. A new kind of hope in your present circumstances, whatever they are. This time it is hope for today. It is a hope and a knowledge and a confidence, an expectation, a belief that God, no matter what is going on, God is right here, right now. God can be trusted right here and right now, and He is working out a divine purpose. Have y'all ever known, okay, think of this person. Think of somebody to you that is just a hero in the faith, okay? And it can't be somebody historically, a real-life person that you look at and go, that man or that woman is the real deal. They are legit. Nine times out of ten, they have walked this road. Ten times out of ten, they've walked this road. They have faced suffering. Perseverance, character, and hope is now who they are no matter what they are going through. I tell you, they are different than the rest of the world. There is a reason for suffering. And y'all, the reason is good. It is a good, good purpose. So this is what Paul is telling us. Now, some of us might say, okay, well, look, Paul, I mean, those are great statements to make about suffering and, you know, hope and all of that, but it's hard to just take you at your word or, or take that based on a few scriptures. That is why Paul now points to proof. 
And he's saying every single one of you can actually know this is true because God has done something. God has poured out the Holy Spirit into your hearts. That is one way that you can know that, that, that everything he said here is true. And that proof is inside of us, and that proof is actually before our eyes all the time. So, I'll explain this, okay? Um, have you ever been in a situation where you suddenly felt the love of God? Have you? Okay? So, so a few examples, right? Uh, you go into worship, and you start off, and you're just singing songs, Right? And as you're singing those songs, suddenly you begin to connect with those words. This is who God is. And, and it goes from singing to acknowledgement to, to you are just lost in the song. You are suddenly moved in worship in a way that you could never be moved. You know, in, in any other way, you're just moved and touched in worship. You know, have you ever been reading the Word of God? And, and I, I use this a lot because I think it communicates. But, you know, you, you go and you're, you're kind of reading the, the Word of God. Maybe it's early in the morning and, you know, your coffee hasn't quite kicked in. And, you know, the Word of God is kind of, it's kind of reading like a telephone book, right? You know, you're, you're reading it, you know, and you're being faithful. And then suddenly the Word of God just comes to life. And you may have read the, the Scripture like 50 times before, but there is a word or a phrase, suddenly it just boom comes to life. And you're just amazed all over again with the Word of God. Have you ever been prayer, in prayer before? And you just feel the sweetness of God's presence. That is the Holy Spirit pouring the love of God out on you. It's the proof that God is here, God is good, God is working something out in you. And I know some of us hear this, and we go, well, you, you know, okay, you know, I, I may have had a little bit of that, but, um, you know, th then we also have this other part of, of the Holy Spirit being poured out like a waterfall at times to us. You know, have you, have you ever had that experience? You're just blown apart by the love of God. You are drenched in the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like your mind is blown. John Stott describes this. I love what he says here. Um, he, sa he, he calls it a vivid, heightened, intense, overwhelming assurance of God's presence and God's love. So it can be those sweet little moments that we talked about in worship or in the Word or in prayer, or God can just knock your socks off or knock your, knock your sandals off if you're not wearing socks every now and then. And I know sometimes we hear this, you know, we, we hear someone preach about this or a testimony of this, and, and we react, we can react and say, you know what, I, I've never experienced God like that before. You know, I, I've never had God blow my doors. You know, I've never had a, a watershed encounter, you know, a charismatic experience. God has never blown my mind like this. And if that's you, because it's always somebody in the room, I want to encourage you in two ways. Actually, I'll encourage you in one way, and I'm going to let Paul encourage you in another. The first way is this. Typically, when we say, I, I haven't experienced and really felt the love of God very intensely in my life, a lot of times, if we're honest, it is not that God has kind of pushed us out into the desert. It's that if we're honest, we really aren't seeking the Lord every day. You know, it, it, we're not getting still. 
we're not diving in deeper. So often as Christians, and listen, this happens to everybody, so I'm not pointing the finger, or if I am, it's, the finger's boomeranging back on me. But truth be told, as Christians, way too often, we are running way too fast. We are getting way too caught up in, in earthly circumstances, and we're, we're not seeking the Lord. You know, scripture, scripture promises us, if we will be still, well, it tells us to be still and know that He is God, the knowledge of God, the experience of God. Folks, it is directly tied to stillness. And we as the people of God need to get still before our God. There's a, a great Lionel, uh, Larnell Harris song years ago. I'm probably the only one who knows it, but it's, it's, it's a song he's singing on behalf of God, and he says, I miss my time with you. And one, uh, the, the, kind of the, the question that God asks him as he's singing is, how can you serve me if your spirit is empty? And it's just a song about going way too, getting in the fast lane, putting the pedal down, and not being still and knowing and experiencing this great God of love. The second encouragement I have for you is this. The love of God felt within us is not the only way, says Paul, that we experience the love of God poured out. In, in Romans 5, 6 to 8, Paul points to something else that is a major outpouring for us. He points to the cross. He points to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, and of course, by that, he's pointing to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he says, look, at just the right time, Christ died for you. And the point is this, whenever we as Christians are tempted to doubt the love of God, to doubt the presence of God, we are to simply look at the cross of Jesus Christ and remember what he did for every one of us. I mean, his words are, look, God demonstrated his own love for you in that, in that Christ died for you. You might say, well, why is that? Well, everyone knows that the ultimate act of love is to lay down your life for somebody. Have you ever noticed that that is the theme of like every movie in Hollywood? You know, we think Hollywood's so creative. The, Hollywood has ripped off the gospel. How many times will a hero die for somebody else in a movie? And my point is everybody knows this, but we get it from the Word of God. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this to lay down one life, one's life for one's friend. But when we look at Romans 5 and we factor in verse 6, that, that God did this for us who were sinners. I mean, we were powerless sinners. And by powerless, that means spiritually, we were doing nothing to deserve salvation. And by sinners, it means, look, when it comes to the Old Testament laws, we broke every law on the books. We rejected God. We, we were undeserving. We were unworthy. We were contemptible. And still, God demonstrated His love for us in sending Jesus Christ to die, to rescue, to give us life. If God did all that for us, Paul's point is here, how could we ever doubt His love? Man, the proof is before us. So the bottom line is, whether you feel it all the time or whether you just look and you know it, if you are a child of God, the love of God has been poured out on you. It has been gushed out on you. 
You can use that word anytime you want to, by the way. That's a new word. Gushed out on you. Okay? So, looking back, we have peace with God. We are standing in grace. We hope now in, in, the, in the coming glory of Jesus Christ, God's glory. We rejoice in our sufferings. But now, number five, in verses 9 and 10, and this is a very simple concept, we will be saved through His life. Even suffering plays a part in this. It has this additional benefit in working out our salvation. And sometimes we can get kind of messed up with this. Well, how can Paul say that we will be saved when we're already saved in Jesus Christ? And that is, as Chris pointed out a couple weeks ago, that's the already and the not yet of Scripture. It it is a paradox where we can be something, and we can also be moving towards something and becoming something. So so here, Paul is, is just leading into this where, we, yes, we have been saved uh, when we accepted Jesus Christ into our lives, but God is working salvation into our lives. We have been forgiven from past sin, but if we're honest, we're also being delivered of sin, of the tendency to sin, of, of sinful patterns. We're being delivered of, of darkness and death every day. You know, we have been resurrected with Christ but, but we are still being resurrected. We're moving toward resurrection bodies. So, so God is cleansing us. God is raising us up. You know, He's making us new. And the point is that of all of this, is as Christ is doing this, you know, He talks about the final judgment of God, the wrath of God to come. What Paul is saying is, look, every day God works in your life, whether it's the peace of God, the hope of God, the grace of God, the sufferings, what He's doing is He is just moving you further and further away from that time of judgment, from standing in judgment. You're getting further and further away from, from any hint of condemnation. This is what Jesus is doing. We, you know, it, it's just a beautiful thing. And so, a real, vibrant relationship with God brings all of this to us. Now we have peace with God. Our past has been forgiven. We are standing in grace, presently surrounded by the favor of God. We hope in God's glory, this future coming inheritance of every believer We rejoice in suffering as God is doing an incredible work inside of us, and we are being saved continually from the wrath of God. So finally, we get to number six in verse 11. We now boast or rejoice in God. All five of those we statements lead us to a place of rejoicing in the Lord. A, a, a time and a place where, where we celebrate His mercy. We, we celebrate His goodness. We rejoice in His faithfulness to us. And some of y'all know, man, that's already happening in my life. I, mean, I, I become aware of these realities. I taste and see that the Lord is good like this. I mean, so for some of us, the, the, the relation, the, this celebration, it's already starting. We are truly free. We are connected to God. He has drawn us to Himself, and He's pulling us closer. He is pouring out His love on our hearts. Y'all, that love is sweet. We are a work in progress as the children of God. And when God gets done with us, we're going to be a spiritual Sistine Chapel. How do you like that? It's just, this is what Jesus is doing. 
We are becoming a people of grace, peace, and hope as time goes by. Do you think God knows what He's doing? Do you believe He's doing it? Yes, amen. Okay, all of this leads us into great joy. All of it leads us into rejoicing. Joy is our destination. So let me just end with a few questions here. Question number one, is everything that Paul's talking to us about, is it real to you? Okay, take your time answering that question to yourself. I mean, I had to admit as I studied, Lord, there are a lot of times when this is not very real. There are a lot of times in my life where these blessings, they just sail past my head and past my heart. And so the question is, when it comes to life down here on this planet, are you going through life just like everybody out there on the streets? Are you? Is there a joy? I mean, do you walk through like a prisoner set free? You know, do you walk through like, oh, someone who is just getting made beautiful in God? Or do we trudge and stumble through this life like the cast of the walking dead, you know? A lot like spiritual zombies. And I think a lot of times this happens to us as Christians. You know, you, you, you look at yourself or other people, and it's just kind of like this, this helpless mass. Too often in the body of Christ, we're like victims of circumstance. Oh, what, whatever is happening right now is the biggest thing. Or are we joyful in the Lord? Is the joy of God a reality? You know, are we enjoying being the beloved? Are we enjoying just God transforming us? Is, is there a deep sense of satisfaction? Is there a delight in our lives because God is at work? And I think the answer to those questions, I think it has everything to do with where our gaze is. I think it has everything to do with what we choose to fixate and focus on. I, 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 just, I, I think our, our, uh, our aim is everything here. And I'll give you an example okay? In other words, I'm saying I believe we become what we behold. Here's an example. When I was in college, um, little known fact about me, I don't think I've shared this one before. When I was in college, I taught archery to elementary school campers, okay? So, by elementary school, I mean six to ten-year-olds, and um, it was quite an adventure. Um, I'll just say that. So, I teach these kids for three, three months of the summer. I would teach them archery, and the first thing you have to do with these kids is teach them the basics, okay? So, they have to know how to hold the bow, how to, how to put the arrow on the string, how to hold the arrow. You know, they got to get the basics, but once they get the basics down, there was one big rule for these kids, and it was what I just talked about, that you ain't whatever you are looking at, you are going to hit or get really close to. So, guys, you need to look at the target. And I mean, you, you know, you got kids with ADD or just, you know, they're just six years old and, you know, they're all over the place. It was, guys, the target, the target, the target. And so after, after a, you know, a week, they got, they got pretty good. And I had this one group of archers. These kids were amazing, little kids. And they, you know, I mean, they're hitting the target until one day, okay? And just so you know what the setup was, I had six archery stands, okay? So there's six stands and six big targets, and between them and the target was a field of white rocks. So this is the archery field. So they're all shooting, and then suddenly a black snake goes slithering right across the rocks. Those kids looked at that snake. All of a sudden, all the, all the arrows are down. These kids, I mean, they were like Robin Hood, you know, like, a, like what's the Avenger? The Avenger with all the arrows? Yeah, Hawkeye. I mean, they're just, I mean, they, you've never seen kids shoot so fast and furious. And it was the scariest moment. You say, well, why is that? Because these are rocks. 
So these arrows, you know, some of them are sticking like the wedge in there, but most of these arrows, they are hitting and ricocheting. They're flying all over the place. It was the most dangerous thing ever. It became, and it was deadly with these little kids. And, And the point is, I think it's like that with suffering and joy. Listen, for every one of us, suffering is hard. Nobody likes it. You know, even when we get to the other side of suffering and go, God, look what you did, we would not vote to go back there again. We don't want to go through that stuff. But in the midst of suffering, it's so easy to just focus on it, to see it, to believe that this is our reality. You know, where is God? I'm abandoned. It's so easy, you know, to just point our emotional arrows down, shoot them in there, and we're just stuck. Paul's call, it really here, is for us instead to look to the Lord. That's why he's telling us all of this. I want you to understand there is a reason and your God is good. Your God is working. By the way, has anyone ever done this before? You've been in the midst of suffering and you you become aware of this principle and you take your eyes off of it and you just begin to rejoice and thank God in the midst of suffering. Has anyone ever done that? Does it or does it not change everything? Even the circumstance might not even change right away, you know. I might still have as little money as I, as I had, you know, a minute ago when, when, I, when the suffering hit me. But you just begin to rejoice. You just look to Him. Suddenly, the whole thing changes, you know. This is us. This is our birthright. This is the difference the Spirit of God makes in the people of God. And so the question is, where we want to end with is, look, are we going to focus and fixate on sufferings and hardships? Or are we going to look to the God who is mighty to save? I believe the Holy Spirit wants to minister to us on this a little bit today. So I've asked um, the lovely Shiloh, oh, and the handsome Scott Walter, there's two now. I I want them to come up and just, uh, they're going to minister to us in song. Here's what I want you to do. Whatever it is, and chances are, bless you, maybe you you just had a sneezing fit, I don't know. But Whatever it is, and you can name what it is in your life, whether it's a wayward child, whether it's a job lost, you know, whether it's gigantic questions, whether it's financial, whatever it is in your life, physical, emotional, I want to invite you this morning just to take your gaze off of it in Jesus' name. It is not your Lord, you know. It is is not. we We just want to look away from that thing to the Lord. And I just invite you, man, to open your hands. Woman, to open your hands and look to the Lord who is our salvation, who is so good. Look away from suffering and look to the Lord. This morning, choose the joy of the Lord because it is yours. See what God is doing in you and through you right now and rejoice. So I'm just going to invite you. Here's what I'll do. I invite you to stand. We're going to sing this song, okay? And I want to invite altar ministers to come up here because when we're done, some of you might want some prayer. And there are going to be people up here to pray with you. And let's just, in this moment, turn to Him. Turn to Him in Jesus' name in faith and hope and love and rejoicing. All right? Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.